welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Mark Zuckerberg's two days of testimony on Capitol Hill may be over, but scrutiny over the data leak that sparked the worst crisis in Facebook's history clearly is not. There have been increasing calls for antitrust action against Facebook. That was echoed in questions from Republican Senator Lindsey Graham about whether Facebook was a monopoly. The average American uses eight different apps okay. to communicate with their friends and stay in touch with people, okay. ranging from texting apps the, to email. the same to, service you provide. Well, we is, provide a number of different services. Is Twitter the same as what you do? It overlaps with a portion of what we do. You don't think you have a monopoly? Uh, it certainly doesn't feel like that to me. Zuckerberg's answer may have gotten a laugh, but it's no laughing matter. Joining me is Gary Reback of counsel at Karen Farrell. Gary, I'm going to begin by asking what Lindsey Graham was basically asking Zuckerberg and never got a straight answer. Is Facebook a monopoly? Well, it hasn't been judged a monopoly in any case yet the way Google has. But I think all the earmarks and all the hallmarks are there, of course. Explain that a little more. Well, uh, the easiest way to define a monopoly is the way the Europeans do, which is that you can set all your terms of sale and your terms of engagement with consumers without even considering what competitors might do. And I think that clearly describes Facebook. Uh, as Senator Graham indicated, um, the closest competitors to Facebook are now owned by Facebook. Uh, that's WhatsApp and Instagram. So there's nothing really on the horizon that challenges Facebook's hegemony in social networking. And the notion that email as a competitor for a social network platform really is risable, I think. Zuckerberg was prepared to cite competition with China and the overall ad market if asked whether Facebook should be broken up, according to a photograph that was published by AP of a binder of internal notes he took to the hearing. Are those good responses? Uh, I think the China part is almost a joke. That has been raised initially by Google in response to antitrust scrutiny. I mean, first Google would say, you don't have to worry about us. We have competition from Apple. And then they would say, we have competition for Facebook, from Facebook. And now they say, we have competition from China. And I think sort of all these big tech companies have gotten together and decided that instead of shooting at each other, they'll just shoot at China. But uh, the real issue from an antitrust perspective is not China. It's having a healthy U.S. economy and a robust competitive market and social networking. And I don't think the Chinese play in that in any respect. Graham also asked Zuckerberg about regulation in Europe, where a new general data protection regulation or GDPR law is about to kick in. Tell us about that. Yeah, now, of course, that's not that's a privacy issue and not really an antitrust issue. But... Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, uh, the Europeans are way ahead of the United States on concerns about privacy. They've been investigating breaches by Google and by Facebook for quite some time. And there's a new law that's coming into effect that essentially requires affirmative consent by users before any use of their data might be made. 
And even more than that, June, it, it, it prevents companies from saying, take it or leave it. In other words, you can't just say, hey, you want on my site, you agree to my terms. The point is uh, you want to use user data, you've got to get affirmative, knowledgeable consent. There's also another law in the works in Europe behind that that would go even further, and the big tech companies, uh, I am told, are lobbying hard against that. The antitrust division of the Justice Department under Trump has seemed to be more expansive in attacking mergers. We see the trial over the AT&T Time Warner merger. Might it look at Facebook? Uh First of all, I think you're quite right that part of the unpredictability of the Trump administration is they do seem to be enforcing the antitrust laws more than the Obama administration did. Um, but is is Facebook in the crosshairs? Most of the focus on Facebook, the scrutiny of Facebook heretofore, has been about privacy. And conversely, most of the antitrust scrutiny in high-tech has been about Google. And so there are Google cases very far ahead, both in the United States and in Europe, in terms of investigation than anything antitrust-wise involving Facebook. I mean, I think the first order of business for the new Federal Trade Commission, when they're confirmed, is what they're going to do about uh, the alleged violation of the consent decree they had with Facebook. But, you know, they would have to start a Facebook investigation from scratch. Uh, Might they do that? Of course they might. Uh, is that ha- is something that's going to happen very soon? I doubt it. So the senators and we're talking a lot about regulating Facebook and, you know, it looks like regulation is, is upon us, et cetera. They made all these big statements. But what kind of regulation would it take? And I'm talking about the monopoly aspect of Facebook as well here. What kind of regulation would it take? What would it look like if Congress actually did want to pass something? Well, uh, I, uh, uh, if we're talking about antitrust enforcement, then Congress doesn't really need to pass anything. I mean, Congress needs to enforce what's there. And uh, as we've discussed in this interview, the way Facebook got its dominant market position was that the, the antitrust officials allowed Facebook to buy its two closest competitors. So if you were looking at this antitrust-wise and you wanted to bring a case against Facebook, you'd have to point out some anti-competitive behavior that, that really hasn't been focused on yet. Uh, but then you would focus on what kind of remedy you could get under the antitrust laws, which would logically involve spinning off those two companies, and it would focus on data, I think. The Europeans have said that data is a barrier to entry. Small companies can't get the necessary data to compete with a big company like Facebook. And so if you're going to spin off any companies from Facebook, you would spin them off with the same database that Facebook currently has, making them robust competitors from day one. We have about a minute and a half here, Gary. If you look in the future... Do you see any kind of regulation of Facebook in the U.S. on the horizon in reality when you look at it? You know, I'm uh, having done this for many years now, I'm kind of cynical about what Congress can do. The, 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 the likelihood is that not a lot's going to happen. I, I think I'd have to admit that. Um, if something happens, it'll be the result of an administration of an initiative uh, through the Antitrust Division of the Department of Justice or through the Federal Trade Commission, not, I think, through anything that Congress has done. Thanks so much, Gary. It's, it's been fascinating, and we will pick up with this, I'm sure, again in the future. That's Gary Rebeck of Carr and Farrell. 
President Trump discussed firing Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein with White House aides yesterday, according to a person familiar with the matter. Rosenstein is overseeing the Mueller investigation, and Trump appears to be ratcheting up his personal attacks on Mueller this week as well, after an FBI raid on the home and office of Trump's personal attorney. William Banks is our guest. He's a professor at Syracuse University Law School. Bill, we've discussed Trump's threats to fire Mueller and the similarity to Richard Nixon's Saturday Night Massacre. Would firing Rosenstein have the same basic consequences? Well, it could, uh, June. It, it, Rosen, he could uh, order Rosenstein to to dismiss uh, Mueller. Rosenstein would likely decline to do that because, uh, as we've discussed before, there's a Justice Department regulation that says that the independent counsel special prosecutor can only be dismissed for cause for uh, misfeasance in in office, and certainly Mueller can't be reasonably accused of that. So, but could he fire Rosenstein? Well, could he fire Rosenstein? He yes, he could do that, and then try to replace him with someone more inclined to uh, rein in what he views as a as an, an investigation that's run off the rails. So that would not be as precipitous an action as firing Mueller or telling Rosenstein uh, to fire Mueller. That's right, because after all, these are executive branch officials. The president appoints uh, these officials with the advice and consent of the Senate, so he generally has the legal authority to remove them and to remove them for any reason at all, so long as the reason isn't an unlawful reason. And, and here, because Jeff Sessions is recused from the uh, from the questions surrounding this investigation, then it's up to the deputy attorney general president doesn't like the way the deputy attorney general, he could do his job, he could dismiss him. I think that would be a politically very damaging thing for the president to do. But of course, he, uh, you know, he hasn't let that stop him in the past and probably won't let that stop him in the future. So Noah Feldman, a professor at Harvard Law School and a Bloomberg View columnist, has a new column entitled, What if Trump fires Mueller and Mueller says no? And it talks about what might happen if Trump tries to fire Mueller without rescinding those special counsel regulations you just spoke about. Mueller's a stickler for the letter of the law. Do you agree that he would be within his rights in refusing to leave? Well, if, if Trump attempted uh, uh, to dismiss Mueller without following uh, the remove, you know, without and at first removing <clears throat> Rosenstein and then asking Rosenstein's replacement to remove Mueller, then I believe, yes, it's possible that if Trump tried to remove Mueller directly with Rosenstein still in place and in, and in violation of the regulations that, that are still the law in the Justice Department, Mueller might well choose to hold ground and say, uh, I'm still lawfully in my job, and I'm going to continue to do my job. And uh, I've seen Feldman's column. In that case, it could precipitate a crisis, a very serious crisis, like the one that was nearly upon us in the Nixon administration after the Saturday Night Massacre. We There are some set, two senators, Lindsey Graham and Tom Tillis, have put together legislation to protect Mueller's job. But as people have pointed out, they would need 67 senators and two-thirds of the House to override a likely veto from President Trump. So what might it be? Is that why the Republicans are sort of hanging back on that legislation, because it would really put the spotlight on on them? Well, they they have been hanging back, as you say, but the, certainly the mood has changed in Congress 
with these uh, recent rumblings from the, from the White House. I think this legislation should have been considered seriously several months ago uh, and was left to languish in committee. Uh, if it does move through committee now in the next week or two, as it may well, they'll have a chance to pass it, certainly even if, if it's not uh, capable of surviving a presidential veto legislation would send a very strong signal to the White House that, uh, you know, disobeying the will of Congress here, the majority of Congress, uh, would put Trump in a very bad light uh, politically and set up uh, likely grounds for impeachment down the road. Bill, you know, we've talked so many times about about the possibility that the president might fire Mueller and, and the different things he might do. He hasn't done any of that yet. But does it seem to you that this ratcheting up of his, you know, of his tweets against Mueller, direct personal attacks now, that it might lead to something? Might lead to something. I think the other road that uh, that the president might choose to take here as the pressure increases now with Michael Cohen uh, under investigation is to begin issuing pardons and to try to clear the the, uh, <clears throat> the way for himself by pardoning those who would otherwise be inclined to provide evidence that could be used against him, if not in a court of law, eventually in an, in an impeachment inquiry. Would um, those pardons be looked at? I mean, it's obviously he has the power to, to pardon, but yes. would those pardons be looked at as an obstruction, another obstruction? Of justice, they could, they could down the road. Uh, he's, he, as you say, he clearly has the constitutional power to pardon. But the, but if information comes out, uh, either before the issuance of those pardons or after them in some other way, uh, then that information would be available to Congress to use for its own purposes. Those are political purposes. The impeachment, of course, is a, a lawful process, but it's primarily driven uh, politically. So that could happen. And it's also, you know, we should remember in the case of Cohen, as well as others who've been under investigation, there, there's a possibility even after a pardon that state uh, governments through their attorneys general could pursue charges against those who've been under investigation. The pardon wouldn't affect uh, the possible availability of state criminal prosecution. So the information could come out that way. And we know that Mueller is, has already been working in concert with the New York AG. So that seems likely. Thanks so much, Bill. That's William Banks, a professor at Syracuse University Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.